Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Good morning. Hallelujah. Let's read. Uh, we have just one verse where we're going to start with. And we'll just go ahead and read it. It's uh, Colossians 3.14. It's in the lesson that we're doing or that we have been doing. Uh... It's in keeping step with the Spirit, and the lesson today is above all love. Um, so that is, love is one thing that, you know, you never could say enough of, and one thing we're not talking about, but it's included, is human love. Human love is just naturally something that God has put within us, but mainly what we will speak of is agape love, is what God has given us through the Holy Ghost. And it's something that I believe that no person can obtain on their own. Um, that's my belief. I believe this love can only be obtained through the Spirit of God. Him and imparts that to us. Through the best of our abilities, we offer kindness and compassion to someone and do to our limit, but that's to our human capabilities. But God has given us one step beyond and that's through his spirit, and that's through the Holy Ghost. And so this is Paul in his writings in Colossians 3.14. It just says, above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. So let's pray. God, we love you today. We love and we thank you. We thank you for your word, most of all, and for what it means. We ask you this day, God, to anoint us, Lord God, and strengthen us. Everything we do or say, God, we need you to direct us, Lord God. Touch us, anoint us. And on our hearts and minds, Lord God, I pray for our Sunday school, each and every part of ministry, God, that would go forth, Lord God, this day and this week, Lord God. I pray that you would touch and inspire and strengthen, Lord God. You are our hope and our strength, Lord. Everything we do or say, God, is placed under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, Lord God. Have your way. Touch this day, Lord God, and thank you for what you're going to do. We love you and we praise you. You are our hope and strength, Lord God. We love you. And we do put our trust and our strength and our hope is found in you this day in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. In speaking of walking with the Spirit or in step with the Spirit, I want to read a couple verses for I actually that I believe that can go with this, that goes with this lesson. These verses you have heard before, but I just want to do this. You can just follow on the screen if you want. Ecclesiastes, the wise man says it like this. Ecclesiastes 11.1, 1, we have heard this so many times. But he said, cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. He said to cast thy bread upon the waters, 
Waters, if you look in Revelation, means people, nations. It means not just a nationality. Don't cast your bread to one type of person. Cast your bread upon the waters. This analogy goes back to when the Nile would flood. The people would go out and take their grain and cast it on the water. So when the river was up and flooding, the grain would go everywhere. So the analogy is this. The people that has cast their grain on the river with it flooded would reap in areas in which they did not sow. They would cast their grain here, but then it was up to God what may look like a diversion to you. But God was taking the seed that it was out of your hands. The wise man said to cast. To cast means to send forth. Literally, literally that's what it means. Cast. Have the faith to let go of the seed. And you're looking at it and said, yeah, that limb down there just diverted the seed. Have the faith to realize that in this word, once you speak it, let it go in God's hands. It's out of yours. What looks like a diversion to you is not a diversion. It's going where God has directed it to go. So the wise man said, cast. And then you would reap. You would have to leave where you're standing and go to an area where you did not cast and you would reap a harvest. So that is what he was saying. Cast. And you would find it after many days. So that. Now, the other verse is this. In Isaiah 55. Now, this is a verse here that we always read. But I want to read the verse in front of it. It's the same Isaiah 55. is the same chapter where it says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. This is the same chapter. But the verse in front of it, the one that we always quote, is the one I want to read first. Okay, in the New Testament, you know how God always used an analogy when it comes to a natural term. He did this a bunch. So when he was going to make a spiritual point, he would speak of something in the natural, then he would make a spiritual point from it. Okay, if you, <laughs> this is God of the Old Testament, Jehovah, doing this. So listen to this. This is Isaiah 55 and 10. And just read it and listen. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it, maketh it to bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. There's your natural illustration that God give. Now... Go to the spiritual. This is what we always quote. This is the reason God just told us that. This is what we quote. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Now, if you would, just leave that verse there. Because what I just want to point to you. Where God said, I gave you the natural illustration, I'm doing this. 
and I'm sending you the rain and the snow to melt to give you the nourishment that it needs to give seed to the sower, bread to the eater, that you may be nourished, and I'm going to make the earth do it. So shall my word be. It shall not return unto me. So I think here's sometimes where we get tripped up. We believe this is God's word. We believe it is his. We believe it's anointed. But sometimes we want to direct where it goes, and we're disheartened. Well, I, I witnessed them. I poured my heart out. And it just went flat. No, it did not. You've done what you have been asked to do. You have witnessed and it is out of your hands. Allow God to do what he said he would do. Don't try to insert yourself or myself where it does not belong. God said it will not return unto me. Me. It won't return unto you. It won't return unto me void. For look at this. You see, in the thing whereto I send, the last little bit, them last six words, is one word in Hebrew. And it's the same word as cast. So God said, he told the wise man, you tell my people to cast, because they don't have to worry about it. In the thing whereto I send, it will accomplish that which I please. It will do it. You, If you've been disheartened, pick your head up. If you've witnessed and it ain't went nowhere, it's out of your hands. God is going to do it. I'm telling you, when you have witnessed and it just in this analogy of a river and you're thinking it went everywhere but where it should have. No, it has not. There's, I believe there's a lot of ministers that went home and preached their hearts out. And a lot of witnessing, a lot of ministries outside of this church that has been so disheartened at times. What did I accomplish? You accomplish, thus saith the Lord. You have gave his word. You have done just what you should have done. And God said, I have got it from here. Don't go home and beat yourself to death. You have done what thus saith the Lord. You have given it. And then where it goes from there, God said, I have got it. In the thing whereto I sent. I sent. Allow God to do what he wants to do. Be led of the Holy Ghost. Say what God has put on your heart. Being led of the Spirit. Literally, that's what it's about. Not telling what I think, my philosophy, that ain't got nothing to do with it. Speaking this word, that's what God said won't return unto me void. Because we, we're just flesh and blood. We're human. We do get disappointed. We do want to see people saved and see the kingdom of God fulfilled. Literally. But... In, times you cannot let it overwhelm you and just you just give your uh you give your best and you think man where did it go wrong where did it go wrong no 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 let your heart be strengthened put your trust and keep your trust in this word do what you should do witness god said you shall be witnesses you shall be my witnesses. So therefore do that. So being led, being led of the Holy Ghost. Now, I want to go back to our lesson. He's in Colossians, he says, now one thing I want to do, Colossians, Paul said in this lesson, 3.14 is what we read. Now, he said, above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond. I'll just say perfection. Now, what I want to read to you, that was 314 
I want to read, he said, above all these things, I want to read the things he spoke of. And that starts in 12. And I didn't give it to him, but I'll just read it. He said, put on therefore, put on therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also you do. And that's when he said, above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Now, so where he said forbearing, forbearing here literally means to hold up. Forbearing is not just, I'm having to tolerate them. That means literally support your brother and sister. It literally means in the Bible to hold up. Forbearing, to hold up, support, to hold them up. Forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, easy enough Christ forgive you. That word quarrel is only one time, one time in the New Testament, and it's here. It just literally means complaint. And then it says, if any man, if any man have a quarrel against any, what I get out of that, I didn't really look this up. This is just me. If any man, I'll be the man. I'll be the man speaking here. If any man, me, have a quarrel against any. If any man have a quarrel against the body of Christ, forgive him. Forgive him. It's not worth you going to hell over. I'm telling you, it's not worth you losing your soul over. I'm not worth you losing your soul over. If any man have a quarrel against any, a complaint against any, it ain't worth it. I'm telling you, I live in the same boat you do. The same thing hurts me that hurts you. And Paul's saying it's not worth your soul. It's not worth it. If any man have a complaint against any, forgive him. And, and I look at it like this. And I'll just use the board since he ain't in here. If I have something against him, he usually sits there, that's why I'm pointing there. If I have a complaint against him, okay, Paul says it like this. As Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Now, if I fuzzed up against him, and then I go to him and say, look, you know, you're giving Brother Everett too much time. You're overlooking me. And, and I just make a big deal about it. And he forgives me. Here's the thing that's happened. God has forgiven him and showed him grace. What he has done is showed, <laughs> showed me grace. So what happens, we literally become Christ-like. When the people that has wronged us, when we can show them the grace that God has offered us. That's why he said, if any man have a quarrel against any, offer the same grace that's been given to you. Don't withhold, withhold the grace that's been given to you. How would that look? God has forgiven us of so much, and then I want to withhold somebody? No, no, can't do that. Because I'm going to be judged with the same mercy and grace that I offer. I'm telling you, I don't want to let nobody, I'm telling you for the record, I don't want to let nobody walk on me. But I don't want to let, I don't want to be lost over it. I'll put it that way. I don't want to be lost over it. I don't want to be lost over it. So then, now, 
He says to do this above all, above all. Paul, he listed all these characteristics in 12 and 13, he says, but he says above all this, in addition to all this, put on love. Love has got to be the thing that bonds this together. This bond of perfection, it has got to be what does this. And Plato says it like this. I found this saying of Plato. He said, but two things cannot be held together without the addition of a third. It must have some bond of union, and the fairest bond is that which completely fuses and is fused into the things which are bound. And that is absolutely truth. Because if you've ever tried to glue something together, and if you can have a glue that fuses itself to what you are gluing, that's why I said that agape love, God said he would put his spirit inside of us. And Paul said, above all else, put on the garment of love. And that is the only thing I think that can help us accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. Because we live in a world that's not very kind. And a lot of things happen. Okay, a little boy, I'll finally start the lesson. A little boy riding his bike in a city, and he's riding his bike past churches, and, the, and finally someone asked him, said, look, you're, you ride past a lot of churches, why do you go past the churches? And the little boy just gave the, resta- uh, the response, well, they just love a fellow there. And they said to the little boy, um, they just love a fellow there. And what the little boy was describing, they believe, was agape love. Even the little boy could tell the difference between just somebody trying to be nice to him and somebody showing a godly love. So Galatians tells us in 5, 22 and 23, but the fruit, don't never say fruits. And I'm not trying to correct you on this. Don't never say fruits. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And, I don't, and, and just always remember on that last phrase, a law defines a limit. So there's no limit on this. If you need any one of these characteristics, all you got to do is ask. I'm telling you, all you got to do is ask. There is no law. There's no limit on any one of these. God said just ask. Now... A love, godly love, always seeks the good of another. Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behaveth itself unseemingly, seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth, rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. And if you don't think that's a mouthful, that's a mouthful to live. That's a mouthful to live. Love as a fruit of the Spirit is not defined by a feeling. And I'm telling you, if you're human, we just live by feelings whether you'll admit it or not. You just, you just rub somebody wrong going out. 
It don't matter if they got the Holy Ghost. You're human. Cut yourself. You'll bleed. I'm telling you. The whole, this, this is not defined by a feeling. It's God within us. And as long as we live in this flesh, we will fight this flesh. That's why it says there is a war between the flesh and the spirit. I'm not telling you we have to give in to this flesh. I'm just saying nobody gets up and never has a battle. There is a fight to fight. And there is a war that's got to be waged. And it's not that we live under this all the time. That's why Paul says i got to fight this thing every day. I'll win this war every day. If I fight it in the spirit, I will win it every day. And then it's, it's really, and I'll be careful with this, but it's in the lesson. It's got a phrase that says, No person can say I have the Holy Ghost because I speak in tongues three times a day and at the same time be vicious and mean. And I would agree with that. You can't just say how good and how spiritual and how old and holy you are and just be vicious and mean at the same time. You can't get bitter water and sweet water out of the same well. You can't do it. I'm saying sometimes if we have tripped, and I'll go to Brother Boyd's illustration that he's used for years. If you trip and fall down, the only thing that's dirty at that time is your knees. Don't fall over in the mud. Get up and repent. Ask God to forgive us. Touch us. We are flesh and blood. But don't sit there and see how muddy you can get. Everybody trips and falls, even the most holy. But I'm saying, and, I, and, and don't, don't get me wrong, I ain't talking about gross sins. But I'm talking about we are living in this flesh. Our goal is to walk and live and breathe in the Spirit. Live and breathe 24-7 in the Spirit. That is our goal. To overcome the enemy, to overcome this flesh, and that is the purpose of this. That is why we're here. That is our goal. We are not Wednesday and Sunday Christians. It's our goal to be this 24-7. So whenever God calls us home, whenever that may be, and when he sounds that trumpet, I don't want to be listening to something else. I don't want something to be going on in my life that it shouldn't be. I want my ear tuned to his word. And his spirit, when he calls me, that I can hear him. That's why, that's why I said so long ago, sitting right over there, and God just, on a Wednesday night, I'll never forget it, it was responsibility of Job not to let the noise override the voice. I'm telling you, trials get in our life, and the noise gets high. But he could not let the noise of life override the voice that was going to be speaking to him. So we can't, we can't do it. We can't do it. Now, consider, just consider how the fruit of the Spirit actually works. One could say, I love her, but I envy her talent. Actually, you don't love. Love doesn't envy. Love does not envy. If you love the converts at church, but the... You could say, I love the converts at church, but the pastor needs to honor me. Actually, you don't love. Love doesn't puff up. We just read that. It just does not do it. And the Spirit can change even the most selfish, self-centered, self-absorbed, self-interest, and self-focused person. And you thought I was talking about you. <laughs> just seeing if he was awake. Okay. 
in Acts 9, we've been studying about that, where Paul was traveling to Damascus. Now, Damascus was approximately 130 miles from Jerusalem. So, to show you how determined that Paul was, is that he took this trip. So, he's here he is. This is not something easy that he was going to do. He is so geared and driven into what he was doing to kill Christians, he said, hey, you know, I don't know how they travel. I guess at best by mule or horse. So here's, where's the next city? 130 miles. Hey, I'm game. Let's go. So he just gets there and he goes. And, but the Lord had different arrangements made. So he took, and we know the story, but it would not be complete without two men. And one we've studied about Stephen, but the other one was Ananias. So here is Ananias that here God had to be using him on the other end. So he takes and he blinds, he blinds Paul. Then he tells Ananias, go pray, go pray for Paul. So, you know, any person could see the hesitation in Ananias. So he takes and, you know, I don't blame him. I'm telling you, I don't blame him. But, you know, just sometimes... Sometimes God asks us to do things that are uncomfortable to us. And, you know, if God, if God always asks us to do things that are comfortable with us, man, <laughs> you know, that's why I've said you don't want a church full of Kenneths. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're laughing now. <laughs> But sometimes God's going to ask us to do something that's uncomfortable to us. Just like he asked Ananias, I got a man, and he literally told him, that is a chosen vessel unto me. But right now, he's killing, he's killing my people. But he's a chosen vessel unto me, and I want you to go pray for him. <laughs> I can't blame him for saying, really? <laughs> but... As uncomfortable as that was, you know, you know, when it comes to Stephen or Ananias, most of the time, I would say, if not all the time, we're going to put, we're going to be put in Ananias' position uh, to be asked to be doing something that makes us uncomfortable. But it is God and his will and his spirit. That's why we have to be to the point that we are in tune with the Holy Ghost. Because I don't know if he'll ever ask us anything to that degree to go pray for a Paul when he says, you know, I don't know, like, man, they're killing your people. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. We just have to be to that point, literally. Now, Ananias, I'm sure when he got up that morning, it was never to the point I'm telling you to pray for Paul or Saul that day, what never on his radar, what never imagined, but he was close enough to the Lord that God could speak to him, and he wasn't like, did I really hear that? You know, I mean, he had a dialogue with the Lord, you know, of one of those, you know, respectively speaking, you have got to be kidding you want me to go pray for this man? 
But the point should always be in our mind. He was close enough to God that he did. As stranger of a request as it was, he was close enough to God that he obeyed. And as outrageous of a request as it was, literally. I'm telling you, put yourself in his shoes. If we had somebody killing us and God said, you go pray for them because they are a chosen vessel unto me. We would go pray with them, but we would take something with us. It would not be easy. You know, I need to pray and fast a week before I do this. Ananias went that day, if I'm not mistaken. So, I'm telling you, that's not, that's being in tune. That's in step. That's following the Lord holy, holy. That's what we want. God said, in John 13, 35, he said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Now, I will just say this in passing. That love in John 13, 35, this is, we didn't say this, the Lord Jehovah, when he was wrapped in human flesh, said this, that this would be the distinguishing mark that this love, when you look that word love up, it's agape. So he is not saying, he's not saying, by this shall all men know if you have love one to another. He didn't say this benchmark is going to be human love. He said it would be agape love. That is the love that God said this would be the benchmark. This would be the defining. This would be what everything would go back to. So it's not human love that he was referring to. It was agape love. And I'll tell you again, I only believe that comes through the Holy Ghost. That's me. You don't have to jump on board with that. That's me. I believe that only comes through the Holy Ghost. God imparting this gift, this love in us. And God said, this is going to be the defining mark of my church. My church. That's what God said. He was, Ananias was not foolish. We can appreciate the dialogue that he had. But his love for God overrode the fear just the questions that he had in his mind. He was closer to God. He didn't let his fear override him. He did what God asked him to do. Now, he took, he told him, he said, he is a chosen vessel unto me. What do you think went through the man's mind when, when God said that to him? I mean, put yourself in his steps. He's a chosen vessel unto me. And his hands has got so much Christian blood on them. He's a chosen vessel unto me. So, but he was filled with the Spirit. Now, this, this, they make a point here in this lesson that I want you to think of. Though Ananias had been filled with the Holy Ghost, at this point, when Saul was struck down on the road to D Damascus, no Gentile had received the Holy Ghost. And God was going to use Paul to be a light to the Gentiles. So all this, the river is being diverted in so many ways. I said, my word ain't coming back to me void. And I, Ananias could say, 
This can't be working. There's too many diversions. The seed's been cast. There's too many diversions. Though I have been filled with the Holy Ghost, there's no way this will work. No Gentiles had received the Holy Ghost. And, but yet, this man you want me to go to? But this man is, was going to receive the revelation. And really, when you look at it from this point on in our Bible... Saul, through the rest of Acts, is largely the character, wrote a large portion of the New Testament, was the missionary to the Gentiles, the light to the Gentiles, brought this word to the Gentiles, and all of this because of Ananias. He goes, and he doesn't say, there's too many obstructions in the river. The seed was cast. But he didn't let what he thought was obstructions take in the seed. He ignored it. He did what God asked him to do. And we see the result of that. Now, now, walking in the Spirit, having a mature spirit grow in our life happens in the midst of a perfect environment. No, it does not. It happens in the midst, and they didn't say that, happens in the midst of turmoil and trouble. And it's all through the Bible, Old Testament and New. You can look at it. You can read it. That's why I said, that's one thing what I love about the Bible. Illustrations, that's as simple terms as it is. The Bible was written to humanity. So, so many illustrations is in the Bible. When chaos and calamity comes to our life, you sit down, you take the Bible, you read because you are in there. Because so many times when life overwhelms us, don't just beat us down, overwhelms us. There is strength and nourishment for us to find in God's word. And at times when life says you should be laid flat on the floor, that is when God says, I'll give you strength to grow in this. I won't let this overwhelm you. I'll make you grow in this season. When others said, this should have defeated you, I'll make you grow in this. I'll give you strength in this. And this is what the Holy Ghost does for us. When others say, I don't see how you made it through it. And they say, there's only one reason. God and His Spirit is the reason I come through this. No other reason. And that's not taking away from nothing from nobody else. I'm saying we need everybody. But I'm saying at this point of life, when we should said this should be the end, God said, no, no. I'll use this for a growth in your life. I will make you grow in this, and God will. He will. And so Ananias, Ananias was a true, true Christian that followed. Now, Paul, he just, he, he that was his purpose. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to take many more lives. God stopped that. Now, Christianity was threatening literally to what Paul had believed at the time. So he gained approval, made his way to arrest others. The unexpected happened. And so, but what was unique with Paul is that he had so many cultural backgrounds. He, he was really talented he was just so, so intellectual. He had been taught. 
He was well-educated. And then God was going to take all of that and use it. And he did. Yet, on this day, on this particular day, on this day, God had set it up from the very beginning. What others would say, the seed is lost. It's just gone. It's just gone. And God said, no, I've been directing this seed ever since it was cast. Others have said it's gone and done. And God said, no. (laughs) I've, I've been with this seed from day one. It is not lost. It is not lost. So he took, and what I have literally, I've had it. I just love it, and I love it, and I love it. And I'm sure I've said it. But when Ananias went to Paul, and the word of the Bible says he put his hands on him for the first time. That's the way the Bible records it. He puts his, Ananias puts his hands on him. But his first two words I have circled in my Bible. He says, Brother Saul. I'm telling you, that took agape love. <laughs> Knowing what that man had done. And his first two words, he treats him like a brother in the Lord. Brother Saul. 1 John 4, 18 through 21 says it like this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love. I want to tell you, there is such a thing, but perfect love. It is not in a human sense. But perfect agape love, there is such a thing. If you believe there's this word, there is such a thing. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If any man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. Ananias prayed for Saul and was filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, let's, let's flip that coin over. Here's Ananias laid his hands on. Uh, Saul and says brother Saul but flip it over what must have Saul felt hearing he knows is a Christian and knowing what he had done knowing just coming from Stephen that he supervised the stoning of Stephen and a Christian come to him and embrace him and call him brother what must that done to him but I'm telling you God put the love in us And every human being on earth will respond to love because that is a God-given insert in us. So I don't know. I would love to know what Paul must have went through his mind when here's this man that embraces him and calls him a brother. I would really love to know. Now, looking at Ananias... The strategy for our life does not allow us to choose whom we express this love to, and it does not. Love is the foundational premise for the fruit of the Spirit. 
we must be aware of the conflict of the Spirit and allow the fruit of the Spirit to direct our decisions and our behavior. Now, God gave us this love. That's why I said, when the wise man said, cast your bread upon the waters, we are not to, and I'll use the word discriminate, who we speak to, who we witness to. Our job is to witness, period. Give this. And then from that point on, that's why I've tried to say, once you witness, once you bear your soul, release it into God hand, to God's hands. Let this word do what it was designed to do. Because if you've done it according to this, God said, you've cast, now it will go where I sent. In the thing which I sent, it will. So it will do it. Now, in closing, it makes a, it's got a little story here that I'll quote. Oswald Golter was a missionary in northern China during the 1940s. After 10 years, he was returning home, and he stopped in India. And while he's waiting for a boat, he found a group of refugees living in a warehouse on a pier. And unwanted literally by anybody else, they were stranded. So this was at Christmas time. So he asked the um, refugees what they would like for Christmas. And they told him that um, they weren't Christians and they didn't believe in Christmas. So he asked them, he said, okay, but what would you like for Christmas? And they had told him of some pastries that um, there was actually some German pastries that they would like. So what the man did, the missionary did, he actually cashed in his ticket and bought a bunch of pastries for these refugees and gave them to them and at Christmas time and wished them a Merry Christmas. And later, he was in a class and one of the students asked him, he, they asked him, he said, why, why did you take and do that? He said, out of their mouth, they told you, they weren't Christians, and they didn't even believe in Christmas. Why did you do that? They told you they didn't believe in Christmas. And the missionary told them, said, I know that. They don't believe in Christmas. They don't believe in Jesus, but I do. And that's why I did it. So he was a witness. He cast the seed and put it in God's hands. So don't be discouraged telling you what looks like a diversion to you is God putting the seed directly where he wants it so let's stand God bless you this message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church we pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, 
please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.